give to our God. You can worship him through tithes and offering our tithe boxes as you leave, or you can continue to give online. We are going to say our declaration this morning. You can remain seated, but let's say it together with as much passion as if you were standing. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives, and we declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Would you pray with me, Lord? We're thankful to be in your house. We're thankful to hear another story, God, of your goodness that will hopefully stir our faith and remind us that you're, you are what, who you were. The word says you are. Your word declares you are. Lord, we honor you in this place. We're thankful for all these new family members we have behind us that we get to welcome home today. We give you praise and glory, Lord Jesus. Reign over the rest of this service. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. Today is Connect Track Graduation and Membership Day. It's one of my favorite days at the palace. I say it every time, and I mean it every single time because it really is. It's always exciting to get new family members. One of our goals here at the palace is to create a clear path for people who come through our doors and who want to get to know us as a family and who want to get connected with people and with opportunities to serve and Connect Track is that path. Connect Track is a seven-week series that we do three times a year. We offer a track on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and a Wednesday night track at 6 p.m. The track includes lunch with the pastors and the staff, a tour of the building, teaching on our basic beliefs, 
You learn about the history of our church and information about ministries that we have available and opportunities to serve here. The mission of Connect Track is to ensure that every decision to become a member of our family is an informed decision. We want to make sure that our members know who we are, what we believe, and why we believe it. Connect Track is a requirement to become a member of the Palace of Praise and to be a leader or a teacher. Our next track will begin February the 19th, 2023. Sign-ups will begin in January, but if you want to reserve your place in the track now because uh, seating is limited in both classes, you can email melody at palaceofpraise.com. And today, by completing the track along with, first and foremost, confessing that they have given their hearts to Jesus and made him Lord of their lives, these people are here to become members of our family. Yes. And so to you, the family, I encourage you to be intentional about getting to know these new family members. Uh, memorize their faces. Their names should come on the screen. If you don't think you can remember, jot them down. Look them up in the directory. They're all in there. You can find them. Introduce yourself and tell them your story and ask them to share their story with you. Their stories in this group range from uh, having grown up in the palace uh, to moving here from California when her husband passed away so that she could be with her children to people who have struggled with addictions and were spiraling downwards into darkness and then they saw what God had done in family members' lives and they turned to God. And the stories go on and on and I wish that time would allow for you to hear every story, but we don't have time. But I did ask Matthew Ulrich to share just a little bit of his story with you today. Thank you. Um, my name is Matthew Ulrich, and uh, I've been down living in the streets of East St. Louis my whole life. Um, uh, I've been gang banging. Um, just did 11 years in federal uh, maximum security prison, and uh, there is the first time that I came to the light with God and realized that I need to make a change with my, in my life and. As Matthew 19, 26 says, with God, all things are possible. And I'm a true believer in that right now. And I'd just like to thank Larry Teeters, uh, a member of this church that brought me into here. And this is the first church I've ever been in in my life. And I, I want to make it my last. And, and here's where I truly feel the presence of God. Thank you. no longer strangers or outsiders, but you belong here. God is building a home and he is using us all, regardless of the path that brought us here. 
He's filling us together brick by brick, stone by stone, with Jesus as the cornerstone that holds us together. We see it taking shape day by day, a home built by God, for God, and his family. And we say to you, welcome home. Yes. And now Sherry Aki is going to come. And as I call your name, step forward and receive your certificates. Trayvon Blackman. Kaylee Blackman. Heather Garner. Faith Walters. Amanda Cates. Brianna Ellis. Jesse Bryant. Jonathan Bryant. Lester Knox. Matthew Ulrich. Laura Thompson. Fern Guile. And Stephen Thompson. At this time, the pastor will come and lead you through the membership ceremony. Oh, isn't this exciting? Oh, my goodness. Woo! My. Look what a bunch of beautiful people and Steve. I'm kidding you, Steve. Many of them have developed a relationship, so I can kid him like that. It's so good to see every single one of you and my brothers and my sisters and the Lord and saved and on your way to heaven with your names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. What an exciting time. I do believe we are the church and the last days are going the rapture, so we're going to really see an exciting event fixing to take place and we're going up together. Isn't that going to be a wonderful thing? Just got to go through the formality because of our denomination, but do you realize in presenting yourself as members that you're assuming a solemn obligation and it's expected that you will always be true to your promise and faithfully fulfill and discharge your obligation as a loyal member? And do you publicly confess and testify that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and the full pardon of your sins? If so, answer, I do. Are you willing to walk in the light of the scripture as it shines upon your path? And are you willing to abide by and subscribe to the discipline of the church of God as outlined by scripture and set forth in the minutes of the International General Assembly? And are you willing to support the church with your attendance and temporal means to the best of your ability as the Lord prospers you? If so, answer, I am. Do you agree to be subject to the counsel and the admonition of those over you in the Lord? If so, answer, I do. Then I take great delight and welcome each and every one of you into the Palace of Praise Church. I know that you're going to be much, much more of a blessing to us as we are to you. 
You're just a great crowd here this morning. We love you. I want to serve you the best I can as a pastor. I know our church is relatively large. It's, I cannot be everywhere at one time, but we've got people that we can call upon. If you're in a dire need, you call the office. We'll make sure someone in this church responds to you. We want to be a blessing to you always. We're gonna give you the right hand of fellowship and welcome you in just in a moment, but Brother Randy's gonna pray over you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for each and every one of these wonderful Christians you've added to our family today. We believe by divine appointment, God, that each one's giftedness and their talents and their love will add great value to the mission that you've given to us, Father. We shall go forward in power and in your strength, God. We shall storm the gates of heaven together and win the lost for the kingdom of God. I pray your blessings upon them, Lord, your hand of protection on them, and bless them all the days of their life. In Christ's wonderful name, we give you glory. Amen. That's awesome. Welcome home, y'all. Glad to have you as family. If you'll just remain standing for a moment, I'm going to read Pastor's text this morning. John 3, 1 through 8. You can be dismissed. I'm sorry. You can stand there if you'd like. It doesn't bother me. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, 
Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word. And as we get into your word this morning, I pray you'd help our pastor to preach that which you placed in his, in his heart. And I pray, God, you would help prepare us to receive your word this morning. We give you honor and glory. Once again, we're thankful for all these new family members that we've added today. And we pray we continue to see your kingdom come and your will be done in this church and in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> We've had an exciting morning where people have joined the church, and I thank the Lord for that, and there's no greater thing for a pastor to see people commit to the church and become a part of the membership here. But we're glad that your attenders here as well, and we just welcome you always. And you're a part of our family regardless of if you join or not. We love you, and we appreciate you so much. But I'm just looking for some greater things to happen in the sermon this morning. I'm expecting people to enter into the kingdom of God and join the big church, the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to go a little different than what we normally do within this text. We're going to be talking a little bit uh, about uh, the, the main topic, but that's not going to be what we're going to be focused upon as, as we get into it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Uh, but most of you all know that John chapter 3 is known as what we call the salvation chapter. A matter of fact, the golden text of the Bible is found within the pages of this chapter in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And we all know that most sermons preached out of this portion of the Bible is usually what we call salvation oriented. The topic is usually centered around being born again, or we use in the terms a lot of times in the 21st century of being saved. Being born again and being saved is the same thing. However, if we only see salvation in the context of our text, we miss so much of what Jesus is trying to teach us about the things of kingdom life. There's a lot that you and I are to learn about living in the kingdom of God. Can I say amen to that? We all know that Jesus was dealing with a man by the name of Nicodemus, and the Bible says that he was a ruler of the Jews. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was of a high-ranking official of the Jewish ruling court. He was what we call the member of the Sanhedrin court, the highest court in the land. This great Jewish leader comes to Jesus at night, and he is afraid to be seen with him due to the fact that it could cost him his job because Jesus was very unpopular among the religious sect, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And he comes to him, at night, he acts one way publicly and another way privately. We've seen people like that before, haven't we? We've seen people come to the church of a holy reverence and go home and live a total different life. That's not what's transpiring here. It is totally the opposite. And did you know the Lord began to show me how, as a pastor here lately, there are becoming a lot of people in our land like that of Nicodemus. The atmosphere's changing over America. God is moving. God is doing things. Through all of this shaking that has been taken place and through all of the things that's going on in land, it's getting people's attention. And as a result of it, people that are ashamed maybe are a little bit, you know, uh, embarrassed to make any kind of public show of wanting to accept Christ. Uh, 
privately they're beginning to seek God. Privately they're beginning to ask questions. Privately they're going to individuals and they're beginning to say, hey man, what's going on? When I worked at Gates Rubber Company, many, many people would not want people to know it, but they would pull me off into a closed door somewhere in a room and they'd begin to ask questions about Jesus Christ. But then when you get out there in front of everybody, they didn't want to act like that they're even in search of him. But right now, America, there's a lot of bit, a lot of people that's acquisitive about knowing Jesus. They're wanting to know him. They're curious of him. And I want to tell you that's a good thing because the atmosphere is shifting a little bit to where now we're getting our voice back and we're getting the attention back drawn to the church because people are afraid. They're wondering what's going on. Nevertheless, Nicodemus is very curious of him and he begins to inquire Jesus in a statement. He says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher that comes from God because no man can do these miracles that thou doest unless God be with him. And in this statement to Jesus, he's fishing, he's prodding, he's searching, or you might say he's beating around the bush without bluntly asking who in the world are you? Because he says that he wants to know who he is and he wants to know how are you, Jesus, connected to the spirit world? Now that's what he's doing. He's beating around the bush. He's not really wanting to be that blunt and say, just who are you? How are you connected to the spirit world? But we do know that, that he says, I do know that you're connected to the spirit world somehow and I know that you come from God because of the miracles you do. He says, no man can do these miracles that you do unless God be with him. He says, I know that you're with God, but I just don't know exactly who you are. I've not quite deciphered it. I've not quite understood you. You're a little bit precarious to me. I, I'm trying to find out who you are and how you fit in to this spirit world. In other words, we know that without a shadow of a doubt that it was the miracles that Jesus did that testified of him and made Nicodemus believe. It was the spiritual manifestations that Jesus did that convinced Nicodemus that he had come from God and he was not not just some weird, uh, fanatic, crazy person because this man had results. This man had miracles that made people stand up and notice. And Nicodemus noticed, and he said, man, I know he's of God. You can't deny it by the miracles he does, but where does he fit in? Who is he? What's he doing here? What's his game plan? What's his agenda? Who is this guy? Jesus then teaches him about being born again into the kingdom of God, and he teaches him the difference between being born of flesh and born of the spirit. Verses three through seven, which is the salvation part that we preach on for people to be saved. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus asked him a question. Well, he says, how then can a man be born again when he's old? Does he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He said, for that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not what I say unto you, you must be born again. Jesus teaches him that he had to be born again. He had to be regenerated. He had to be transformed, changed, and birthed into what we call a spiritual kingdom. Every single one of us that is saved here today, we are saved and we are birthed into a spiritual kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God. Can I have an amen? Jesus 
as being our king, hallelujah. Our first allegiance is not to the United States of America. Our first allegiance isn't to our family. Our first allegiance even isn't to ourselves. Our first allegiance is to King Jesus. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the sovereign God. He's Lord and master of all. Can I have an amen? How many love Jesus Christ here today? Hallelujah. And then Jesus says, and we're going to be referring back to this verse over and over and over, but then Jesus gives him a lesson about the Spirit in verse 8. He says, the wind bloweth where it listeneth, thou heareth the sound thereof, but you can't tell from which it cometh and whether it goeth. And he says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answers and says, how in the world can this be? He's sitting there scratching his head and he's saying, I don't understand. And Jesus then says to him, are thou a master of Israel and you know not these things. In other words, he's saying, Jesus is saying, you're a ruler of the Jews. You're a member of the high Sanhedrin court and you don't know these things? This is something that you should know being a ruler. But that's the problem with the church back then. They were missing Jesus altogether. And that's the problem in the church world today. We have so many curious Christians that know nothing about the things of the Spirit of God. And I want to tell you, folks, we have to understand that we have to learn the things of the Spirit. Can I have an amen? Too many are trying to have a casual relationship with God instead of an intimate relationship, and yet they want to consider themselves spiritual. They want to consider themselves saved, and they want the spiritual results without coming to know the things of the Spirit. They like to gaze from afar, sit in the bystands, gaze into the kingdom without making an allegiance to the kingdom. And the problem is just to gaze into the kingdom is the same as not being a part of the kingdom at all. Can I have an amen? Do you know how many people are distant, not plugged in? They're clueless. They're spectators. They're not participators in the things of the Spirit of Almighty God. There are people that come to church and they just go through the mechanics. and They're not really worshiping. They don't know how to worship because they're not spiritual. There's people that stand up and they put their hands and they're, they're bored stiff and they can't wait till the song service is over so they can sit down. There are people that roam the building. There, there are people that roam out in the foyer so they don't have to sit through worship. Let me tell you, if you can't worship your king, you don't know your king. There's a problem. Come on, let me get honest with people here today. If worship is boring, then you're not of the spirit of God. Because one of the things the Spirit of God will do, it'll turn you on to worshiping your king, amen? I want to tell you something. I'm, a, I'm turned on to that little lady called Jenny Miller. She's my wife. I love her. It ain't like, look, hmm. I love that little lady. And I want to tell you why I love her. She's my wife. I want to tell you why I love my, my Jesus. He's my Savior. Can I have an amen? I want to bestow him. I want to worship him. I want to fall out at his feet and cry, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I want to embrace, I want to lay his, my head in his bosom like John did. Can I have an amen? I want to do what Solomon said, come into the bedchambers with the king. Let's have some intimate time. I love the intimacy with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There are all kinds of people that have become throngers but not touchers, and there's a big difference. There are people that go through the mechanics. They're, they're, they're what I call throngers and not touchers. There were all kinds of people that thronged Jesus in the crowd the day the little woman with the issue of blood touched him in the midst of that great multitude. Jesus asked that day, who touched me? And the disciples said, well, what do you mean, what do you mean who touched you? There have been people thronging you all day long. 
And Jesus said, yeah, I know that's the problem. They're throngers. He didn't say that verbally. But what he did say, yes, I know. But they're one that has really touched me. And I know why they touched me because there was virtue and power that released from my body. Anointing left me. Can I have an amen? I don't know about you, but I want to be that person that don't just throng at Jesus and trying to figure him out and just, you know, get in a little while while it's hot and then get out while it's not hot. I want to be that person that reaches out and touches him and has that intimacy with him to where virtue goes out of him into me. Can I have an amen? This little woman that was not only touched him by the eye of faith and through faith and through that devotion, she said, I, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And let me tell you, when she touched him, she was healed by the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. You see, uh, there are all kinds of people that are attracted to the Spirit, but they don't want to come under the umbrella or the leadership of the Spirit. There's some, haven't you ever been attracted to something but didn't want to really want to be a part of it? You was kind of weighing in the balance. I remember when I was a young man, backslidden from the Lord, got saved at the age of seven, stayed in the church till about the age of 11, something like that, got out in my young teenage years and went a little crazy. And I remember when no one was around, I'd get in my pickup and uh, 16 years old and I'd drive by the church and they'd be having revival and I didn't want no one to see me because I didn't want to be a bear. So I knew an old alley. I'd go hide my truck and then I'd walk through the, the, through the honeysuckle alley to get to the church and I'd peek through the windows to see what was going on. I was compelled. I was drawn. I was attracted, but yet I stood a four off. I was still lost and undone. And there are so many people like that in the church world. And they remain like that. They go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, but they sit in the bystands. They sit what you would call in the balconies. And I want to tell you, if there's one thing I want, I want to encourage every one of you. I'm not saying that you're a bad man or a woman if you sit in the back, but I tell you one thing. I want front row seating in the house of God because there's something about, there's just less distractions. Or there's more anointing. There's just a difference. It's odd how that people will stand in line for hours and hours and hours and hours to get a good seat at a concert, but when it comes to the house of God, they want to sit way back up in the balcony. Come close to me. Come near to me. Draw near with a pure heart. what Jesus says. Hallelujah. I want to be in the inner circle. Amen. I want to be one of the chosen 12. Hey, the rest of y'all can sit out there if you want. I'm going to be sitting around the campfire with Jesus eating fish. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm about to preach myself plumb happy. Hallelujah. We got to understand that God wants us to draw near to him. God wants us close to him. You know why? Because he desires to be in our presence as much as we desire to be in his. He wants us there. He loves us. Somebody say amen. That's a loving God. And he's made a way that we can come near and to know him. I'm glad that God's not elusive. He's not in hiding. He's not playing hide go seek. My wife played hide go seek with Jonathan when he was a little boy. And he went and hid in the closet and the phone rang. And she forgot about him. Two hours later, she got to looking for him and he opened the door and there was John sitting there. I don't want to play this no more. <laughs> and that's the way God is to a lot of people. He's elusive. He's hiding like he's a four off. And they, they just don't know how to get a hold of him. And yet the scripture is clear how that you and I can come to know God. You and I can come into that inner circle. We can be one of the chosen 12. As a matter of fact, you are chosen. You didn't choose him, he chose you. That's why you're here this morning. But there are kinds of people that are attracted to the spirit but not have come acquainted with the spirit. 
There are those that want the blessing of the Spirit, but they don't want to obtain the sensitivity or the obedience that it takes of the Spirit to get what they need. I want all of my needs met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's his promise for me. The Bible says, call upon him in the day of trouble and he'll deliver me and I'll be able to glorify him. The Bible says, you have not because you ask, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. And I'm believing that God is going to begin to open doors for us to get near to him to where the things that we need are going to begin to be supplied. The church has to be spiritual because we serve in a spiritual kingdom. We're in a spiritual kingdom here this morning, folks. We serve a kingdom that cannot be seen with eyes, felt with hands, or possessed by flesh because the Bible makes it clear, flesh and blood shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Mortality shall put on immortality and corruption must put on incorruption before we get into that kingdom. Can I have an amen? But a spiritual, we're in a spiritual kingdom, therefore we live in a kingdom by faith. It's a faith kingdom. For it's Paul that said in 1 Corinthians 2 and 11, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolish unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Paul just said the carnal mind, the natural mind, this mind right here of flesh by itself cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit. He says that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're what? Foolishness unto him. That's what it says because the things of the Spirit, what are they? They're spiritually discerned. So you've got to have the Spirit in order to discern the things of God. You have to become a spiritual entity. You've got to become a spiritual man. This is why you have people mock, ridicule, laugh, provoke, make fun of Pentecostal services. They get afraid. They don't know what in the world is going on. They have no spiritual discernment because they do not have, or they, if they do have, they're immature in their walk and they do not have the enlightenment and the revelation of the Spirit of what is taking place. We that are born again are born of the Spirit. Can I have an amen? Jesus said, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not what I said to you, you must be born again. We have to be born of the Spirit, convicted of the Spirit, and, and it is the Spirit that brings life. The law, the Word of God by itself kills according to Scripture. The only way to be saved here this morning is by the Spirit of God. Did you know that? We cannot even be saved without the Spirit of God drawing us and convicting us and wooing us to Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, John 16, verse 7 through 12, what does it say? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. Talking about the Holy Spirit. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. First of all, of sin, because why? They believe not on me. First thing he's going to do, the first work of the Holy Spirit when he comes is to convict you of your sin and he's going to convince you without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And the second thing he's going to do, he's going to convict you of righteousness. He's going to let you know there's only one righteous, that's Jesus, and your righteousness is as filthy as rags. And the third thing he's going to do is convince you of judgment. The prince of this world is judge. Judgment's coming to those that know not God. Then he's going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. He's going to bring conviction. In other words, without the illuminating working presence of the Holy Spirit, you, cannot, you and I cannot even have a revelation of who Jesus is, and we cannot even, have, uh, we cannot even know the path to salvation. Can I have an amen? It's a work of the Spirit. This is why that, that we call repentance a gift of God. If you feel need to repent, that's God's spirit convicting you. And if that spirit ain't there, you can't conjure it up yourself up to repent. Did you know there was a man that sought repentance and he cried with bitter tears but couldn't find it? His name was Esau. 
First of all, therefore, we cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that brings us in contact to Jesus Christ. That's why that Paul said in Romans 8 and 9, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. He said, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you're none of mine. You're not a part of me. And matter of fact, every element of salvation is done by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to stay here long. He draws us to Calvary. He draws us to the cross. He reveals the only true Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. After he reveals him to us and convicts us of our sin, after our repentance, after our confession, it is the Holy Spirit then that regenerates us and makes us new. Can I have an amen? He does this by baptizing us in the body of Christ, baptizing us in the blood of Jesus Christ because we're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold that we received from the vain traditions of our Father, but we're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Thank God for the blood of the lamb. And I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, for by one spirit, say spirit, it's a spiritual baptism. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile or bond or free, and we've all been made to drink of that same spiritual drink. Every single one of us here that is saved, we've been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, into the blood of Christ, and we're all a family together, and we've all been made to drink of that same spiritual drink. There's not a one of us left behind. We all have access to his will of salvation. <laughs> Hallelujah. Give God praise. that No one can be left out if they don't want to be. Oh, my. I love that Titus 3, and I quote it quite a bit, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration. And what? By the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It is a spiritual work, washing us. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. It's because of the work of the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit bringing us into the provision that Jesus provided for us. Jesus provided the provision, but it's the Holy Spirit that, that applies it. Can I have an amen? A doctor will write a prescription, the pharmacy will fill it, and then I gotta take it. Amen? You gotta take this by faith. Just as Jesus came to make the Father known, even so the Holy Spirit came to make Jesus known. That's why John 16 and 13 says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will lead you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he heareth, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall receive of mine, and he will show it unto you. In other words, the Lord's telling us it is the Holy Spirit that is a revelator, illuminator of who Jesus Christ really is. And the only way to know Jesus is to become spiritually minded. Can I have an Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Aren't you glad of that? And his son so loved the world by coming and dying on the cross. No greater love than this than a man laid down his life for his friends. I love Romans 5 and 8, but God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Aren't you glad for the for gift of God, Jesus Christ? But it's the Holy Spirit that shows his love to us by revealing the Savior. This is why that John 16 and 15 says, all things that the Father had are mine, Therefore said I that he shall take of mine, the Holy Spirit shall, and shall show it unto you. Everything that God wants to reveal to you, he'll reveal it to you through the Spirit. Even if you, the Word reveals him as well, but you can't even understand the Word without the Spirit because old men of old were moved upon by the Holy Ghost to write under the anointing, and it takes the anointing to understand and dissect the Word. It takes a spiritual mind to understand the Scripture. Can I have an Amen. It is the Holy Spirit that testifies of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has come to make the ways of God known. 
How many want to know the way of God for your life? The path of God. Come on, somebody. The only way to know that is through the person of the Holy Spirit. You can't know what God wants without having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Come on. You can try to bypass him all you want, do your own thing, do your own study, do whatever you want to do. There are a lot of intellectual men that study the word of God and they're so forth and left field, it's unbelievable. They're crazy, some of them. And some of the most intellectual people that you'll ever see. And there are people that don't have a third grade education and yet know more about the scripture and about the things of God than a man that has a high IQ. You know why? Because he's applied himself to the spirit. Can I have an amen? Not cutting down education. There's some brilliant men that's applied themselves to the spirit that are far exceeding more than what any of us could because of the education. But the Holy Spirit has, has come to make the ways of God known. As a matter of fact, it was the Apostle Paul that even stated, I love this passage of Scripture, and I love to, I could preach on this passage of Scripture by itself, Romans 5 and 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because of the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That you know what? The only way I can love God is by the Holy Spirit. God sheds his love in my heart by the Holy Spirit. We cannot even love God outside of the Spirit because it is his Spirit in us that causes us to love him and cry out to him. Matter of fact, God has not given us what? A spirit of fear, but of love and the power and of sound mind. And God has given us the spirit of adoption to whereby we cry, oh, Abba, Father. You know what that word Abba, Father means? Hey, Daddy. Woo, hey, Daddy. I love that term. He's not only our Father, but he's our Daddy. I love it. I cry out to him by and through his spirit, which he's given to me. I cannot even love him the way he needs to be loved within myself. It takes his spirit for me to love him. Amen. Paul even said in Romans 8 and 26, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We know not what we should pray as we ought, but the spirit himself maketh intercessory through us with moanings and groanings that cannot be uttered. There are times I don't even know how to communicate to God. There are times I don't have the words to say. I don't have a great education, um, and sometimes I fumble in words, you know that. Sometimes I can't come up with the right word to express myself. And sometimes I'll, uh, 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 you know, you know I, I'm trying to, so I'll make up my own word. <laughs> I know what it means. Most time you do, that's all that matters. <laughs> Ain't that brilliant? I'm making my own language, glory to God. And people are understanding it. They have an interpretation of it. Wow, hallelujah. But the truth of the matter is there are times I just don't even know how to pray to God because he's so much higher than I. There's times I don't know what the will of God is. There's times when I've got to a level to I've prayed everything I know to pray. I've done all that I know to do. Nothing's shifting in my favor. Everything in the world is just setting on hold. I don't know what in the world's going on. And truthfully and honestly, there are times I'm like Job. I sit in the dark. Come on, as a believer. So what happens at those moments? That's when I have to go into the closet and be honest with God. God, I don't know what I'm doing here. I think sometimes God wants us to swallow our pride. How many has ever acted like you knew what you were doing when you didn't? Amen? I remember one time me and the boys were lost in the woods and, and they said, Dad, we've been walking a long time. Don't worry about it. I don't know where I'm at. I was clueless of where I was at. All of a sudden, I walked out on a road 
They said, well, what are we doing out here? And I said, oh, I just wanted to see the woods ain't been in a long time. And I walked around. I knew where I was at when I got out to the road. But the truth of the matter is sometimes we put on these fronts and we think we got to be spiritual and we think we're hiding things from God and we get and got, oh, thou most holy God. And we pray in the King James Version. And we lift our voices at the right time to make it spiritual when we pray. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And God sits up in the heavens and he laughs. And thought, man, he needs to go to drama school. And the truth of the matter is there are times simply, even in my life right now, I get played in dark places. And I don't know why, but it's then that the Holy Spirit comes upon me. And I begin to pray in unknown tongues with moanings and groanings. It cannot be. And the Bible says that I am praying the will of God. What did John say? And we know this, that if we pray the will of God, God hears us and grants us the petition that we desire of him. Even when I don't understand it, even when I don't know what, the Holy Spirit is working on my behalf to bring me into the enlightenment and the will of God. And even though I don't even know how to get in the will of God, he brings me in there by himself. Oh, my goodness, can you just give him praise for that? Come on, give the Lord praise. <laughs> Jesus said, when you hear the wind blowing, you hear the sound thereof, and you cannot tell where it comes and from where it's going. Now, first of all, he's telling Nicodemus, how many knows the wind is symbolic of the Holy Spirit? He said, this wind comes, you hear it sound of, it comes, but you don't know where it's coming from. It's blowing, but you don't know where it's going. You feel it? How many feels the spirit from time to time? Man, we got a dead church, only about 10% feel the Holy Ghost. Lord, forgive us, Lord. First of all, he's telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, this wind, you can't control it. He's uncontrollable. Too many churches are wanting to control, govern, tame, put their thumb on it. Put the thumb on the wind. They want to tame it down. They want it to fit their image. Come on, they want to tame it for they can bring it under subjection to their ideas and their ideologies and their agendas and their program. They're wanting to make the Holy Spirit perform what they want to perform and don't go out of the boundaries. We don't want you to embarrass us. You know, those natural mind looks at it sometimes as foolish. We don't want you to put us in the realm of foolishness. Come on. They want to put conditions to the Holy Spirit. They want to manipulate it. They want to own it. They want to control it. They want its effect, but at the expense of their command. Come on. And then Paul says, but you're not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed. That means to quench, to reject. You're not to quench the Holy Ghost, he even says. Paul says it's not done by human mind or by human thought or human ingenuity. If things are going to get done, it's going to be done by the Spirit in the church. Only when we do things that by the Spirit does it count because the flesh profiteth nothing, and no flesh shall be glorified in his presence. And I want to tell you, if it's not done by the Spirit, it don't count because it's only by the Spirit that our redemption is sealed. Can I have an amen? We only seal our fate when we leave out the Spirit. We only die and become cold and indifferent when we leave out the Spirit. How many ever been in churches that's just nothing but nothing more the traditional format. Dry, boring, hadn't had a baptism in 10 years, 
Come on. Maybe one soul a year gets saved, and yet there ought to be somebody being saved by a church daily, according to the word of God. Don't say that there are four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say to you, look on the fields, they're white and ready to harvest even now. It ain't the harvest's problem, it ain't being rich, it's the church's problem. Harvest is screaming, I need help. And the way that we give help is us to get under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and bring them out of, bring them out of the darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ through the anointing and the power of the Spirit. Can I have an amen? Now what's going on? I'm gonna hurry here. It's not by power, Zechariah said, nor by my, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? Folks, if you're gonna be at the palace of praise and we're gonna fulfill the command that God and the mandate that he's put upon the church, we got to become spiritual people. Yeah. Amen? The things of the spirit can be quite foreign to our natural minds and they can be seen foolish. Uh, they can seem unneedful and even embarrassing at times. I've been embarrassed by Pentecost and sometimes we should be embarrassed because some of it is not of the spirit. But the wind blows where it wants, when it wants, it accomplishes what it wants, then it leaves, and God takes it where he wants it to go. Just like on the day of Pentecost, there was a rush of mighty wind. It blew in, it blew up, and it blew out. And I want to tell you, that's what I'm praying for this church. I want to blow in, blow up, and a blowout. Can I have, how many want a blowout? Come on, somebody, are you with me? I want to repeat, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rush of mighty wind in the field of all the house where they were sitting. There appeared to them clothed the tongues of fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all baptized with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. That's what I want. I want the fire of the Holy Spirit to dance upon our heads. I want the Holy, everything God's got from me, I want it. When Paul said, desire the earnest gifts, but rather I, you'd prophesy. I want to prophesy. I want everything God's got. The second thing that Jesus was trying to teach Nicodemus is you don't always have to understand everything about the wind. Our problem is if we don't understand it, we balk, we hesitate, we hold back. There's a mystery to the wind. Look at somebody and say, there's a mystery to the Holy Spirit. If you can figure everything out about the Holy Spirit, it's the wrong spirit that you're yielding to, Bubba. Can I have amen? Because God's bigger than what you, a little finite mind, can even comprehend or conceive. There's a mystery to the wind, and it takes the element of faith to believe. This was very, very hard for Nicodemus. Did you know intellectuals have a hard time to the things of the Spirit? They do. They always have to analyze it, dissect it, rationalize it, and they have to explain or have a logical, plausible reason for everything that takes place. You know what? There's just some things I can't explain, but I believe it. Why? Because there's always results. There's always something happen. Somebody say, do you really believe that a well swallowed Jonah and he lived in the belly of the well three days and three nights? I said, if God said an ant swallowed Jonah, I'd believe it. One big ant. But that well wasn't even normal because God says that God prepared a fish. God's one that prepared the fish to swallow Jonah. It was just a taxi cab for Jonah. And this is the reason that many people miss the things of the Spirit due to doubt, fear, unbelief. And one of the worst things upon the body of Christ is common sense. Operating in common sense. Well, brother, it's just common sense. Common sense is not a spiritual mind. It's a carnal mind. It's a natural mind. 
Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to operate in common sense when the Holy Spirit ain't saying, but if God says something and you take common sense and as the rule over what God has said, you're a foolish man. Yeah. Amen? The principle of faith, trust and belief, is a result of a man that's filled with the Spirit. A spiritual man won't sit back and balk and hesitate and ask questions. He may test the spirits to see whether they be of God or not. We're supposed to do that. Everything that's said to us, everything that we're feeling impulsed to do, we take it to the Word of God, make sure it lines up with the Word of God. If it contradicts the words, it's not of the Spirit. We ask God to confirm it to us, and God just likes that. He will confirm it. He'll second time out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let everything be established. After it's established to you, move in the Spirit. There's safeguards. We don't have to be foolish. We don't have to be eccentric. We don't have to be crazy. Amen? A person does always have to understand the do's, the why's, the where's, the when's. Why, when, where, who. Our minds are not big enough, smart enough, bright enough to even comprehend the things of God anyway. Who can know the mind of the Lord or who can instruct him? His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts according to the scripture. So number two is don't always try to figure it out. If you have a spirit of God living in you and he tells you to do something, his spirit bears witness, doesn't contradict the word, you, you, receive, you receive the witness of the spirit, then obey him, period. The third and the final thing that Jesus tried to teach Nicodemus was, it's not the last thing, I, I'm running out of time, I can't preach everything in verse eight. I just wanted to get to this point, this is my main message right here, we're just starting the message. Took me a long time to get through my introduction, didn't it? Here's what the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. The wind bloweth, where it listeneth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell from whence it cometh, whither it goeth. So, listen to this last verse, or this last part of that verse. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. That caught my eye. He tells you all about the wind and says, even as you can't tell where it goes and where it comes from, he looks at you and says, and so are you to be that way. Now, I've never seen that before in that light. So is those that are born of the Spirit. I thought, uh-oh. This means that those of us that are born of the Spirit can be quite weird, unpredictable, unusual, strange, and we are odd, and we are different and peculiar people. Yeah. Amen. These are the characteristics of a spirit-filled man. Ooh, he's odd. Ooh, he's peculiar. Isn't that what the Bible calls us? We're just peculiar people. We're strangers. You know what they said about the early disciples? Them people are weird. They turn our cities upside down. Oh, my goodness. I want to be a turner upside downer of a city. Hallelujah. That'd be good, wouldn't it? What's your call in Monday? I'm going to turn the city upside down. Amen. I'm going to make havoc on the kingdom of darkness. I'm going to punch holes in the kingdom of darkness. I'm going to bring the marvelous light of Jesus Christ and the gospel to a region. I believe it. Haven't you ever noticed some of the most spiritual people that you know have a weird, strange, unusual sense about them? Go study some of the people of old, man, that done great exploits. Look at our denomination. I'm not going to mention them because I'm online. Some of my heroes are some of the strangest people you'll ever meet in your life. Strange, odd, peculiar. They got peculiar ways about them. Look at Smith Wigglesworth. I can talk this. He's dead. Smith Wigglesworth one time heard Lester Summerall preach when he was a young man. 
He sent word to Summer, Lester Summerall to come and see him. Lester thought, oh my goodness, what a privilege. I get to go see the master of masters. I mean, this guy's weird. Smith Wigglesworth's weird. Have you ever read some of his books? He's an odd guy. One man come up and said, oh, man, I got a cancer in my stomach and I'm dying. He said, oh, really? And then, hallelujah, glory. Wham! Hit him hard as he could in the stomach. The man hit the ground. Everybody looked at the preacher like he's crazy and all of a sudden, boom, a cancer flies out of his mouth and lands in the floor. And the man's totally healed by the power of Almighty God. Weird guy, weird duck. Didn't fellowship a lot, kind of stayed to self, kind of was a loner. Everybody thought, man, he's a weird man, but man, he has power everywhere he goes. Can I have an amen? Lester Summerall went to his house, knocked on the door, a little lady come to the door and said, can I help you? And said, I'm Lester Summerall. Yeah, you're expected. One moment, please. Now, all of a sudden, about two or three minutes, here come Smith Wigglesworth. He opened the door and he looked at Lester and he said, what's that under your arm? He said, what's well, a newspaper? And he said, get rid of it. I don't allow no falsehood and no lies in my house. I don't read nothing like that. You can't have a spiritual mind and have that. That's how much he, you know, Andre Funcil, I can say this about him. He locks himself up in a motel room. We have very little fellowship when he comes to preach. I take him out to eat one meal is all he eats a day. And the rest of the time he locks himself up. He don't even watch the news. Because he said, you cannot have a good mind with all that clutter in there. Weird people, odd people. To those of us that are born of the Spirit, there ought to be a certain amount of flexibility, openness, sensitivity, and obedience to the things of the Holy Ghost. There are, there are three types of Christians that we classify, not the word, but we classify. How many of those that were made of body, soul, and spirit? And there are those that are ruled by the body. They're ruled by flesh. These are those that live their most, most of their lives contrary to the things of the spirit. And the reason is found in Galatians 5, 17. You know, there's always an answer for what you do. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other. And you do the things that you ought not do. In other words, the flesh is opposing the things of the spirit, and you give in to the things of the flesh, and it overrides you, and you are overtaken by the flesh. Those that are ruled by the body, the flesh, we have classified them in the 21st century as what we call carnal Christians. But the truth of the matter is, I hate to tell you this, go back and study all of the scholars in the old times, Smith Wigglesworth, R.A. Torrey, uh, Osborne Chambers. Go study all them great men of God that were strange and had great phenomenal results. And you know what they'll tell you? There is no such thing in the scripture, neither can you find it, neither will you see where it calls a Christian carnal. There is no carnal Christian. If you're carnal, then you're not a Christian. If you're led by flesh, then you're not a child of God. Is that true? Romans 6, 8, 6 through 11 seems to say that. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He said that the, because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. He said that if you're carnally minded, you're at enmity, you're at war with God, and you're not subject to his laws, neither can you be because your natural man won't let you. And then he goes on, so them, them that are in the flesh, they can't please God. No flesh is going to glory in his presence. And then he goes on, but you are not in the flesh, talking about us as believers, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, you're not his. He said, if you're spiritual, you're his, but if you're not, you're not. 
And then he goes on, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. He said, if Christ really lives in you, you'll be dead to sin, and you'll live righteously because of the life of the spirit that's inside of you. So you can't be a carnal Christian. Listen to what James 4 and 4 says. Oh, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the Lord is an enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be the friend of God will be the enemy of God? Or will be the friend of the world will be the enemy of God? And then listen to what 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says. This is a scary one. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost who, you, whom you, who is in you, whom you have received from God and not your own? You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor and glorify God with your bodies. But listen to verse 17. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy whose temple you are. In other words, folks, you can't be out sinning and say I'm a child of God. And he talks about your temple being the, and I, I'm gonna be very delicate here. I don't wanna offend nobody or hurt anybody or run anybody off and kill my sermon. You better watch out what you do with your body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Watch what kind of markings you put on it. Watch what kind of things you, everybody's promoting stuff that is pure evil. And they're not paying attention to what they're doing. I'm just being honest. We gotta be careful. You destroy or mark or defile in any way the body, God will destroy you. That's what the scripture says. Then there's, you know, the scripture in John that we quote a lot, love not the world, need the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they're not of the Father, they're of the world. But the world's gonna pass away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God it is him that abides forever. It's the man that obeys the Lord. It's that spiritual man that's put off the old man and his deeds and put on his new man in Christ Jesus. Oh, I wish I could preach out of Colossians for a moment. I'm running out of time. But the second type of Christian is the soulish realm Christian. I could spend 10 hours here. This is deep. I'm keeping it very, very shallow and very simple this morning just to get it across to you. But the second type of Christian is what we call the soulish realm Christian. This is the believer that is moved, controlled, and ruled by emotions and feelings more than spirit. Matter of fact, how many knows that you are not only body, but your soul? The soulish realm is the seat of your emotions. The man that goes out after his emotions, he's like a roller coaster. up, downs, ins, out, hots, colds, sweets, mean. In an odd one minute, you can say, hi, sister, Susie, how you doing? Fine, isn't it a beautiful day? And the next day you say, hey, sister, don't talk to me. What do you mean? It's an ugly day. Okay. Come on, somebody. You don't know if they're Jekyll one day or Hyde the next. There's all kinds of Christians like that. Moody. Strung out on anxiety pills. Uh, God help me. I got to get off of that. The soulish realm is the seat of your emotions and too many are led by impulse, feelings, emotions more than they are by spirit. They're the kind of person, well, I feel this, so I must do it. And I wanna tell you, the spirit led is more than a feeling. It's a knowledge of the spirit and who he is and his character and his holiness. It's having a relationship with him. Come on, somebody. An impulse, I hear somebody, well, I think it, I might as well as say it. No, by your words, you'll be justified, or by your words, you'll be condemned. You're not gonna be judged by your thinking, you'll be judged by your action. There's some things you don't need to say. 
Well, I think that's an ugly dress. I'm gonna tell that woman so. Go right ahead, bub. Make it your best shot. You might get the five hands, uh, uh, fingernails through your eyeballs too, amen? In Jesus' name, God let that move on. People that are led by emotions, they're tossed to and fro, double-minded in all the ways. And what did James say? A double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways, like a roller coaster. These people are called immature. Even though there are no carnal Christians, one that lives and practices in sin, yet there is what we call immature Christians. There is. We all got to grow. We all got, you know, we're all sometimes starting out on the tricycle spiritually. They do not bring every thought into captivity the obedience of Christ. They lack sensitivity to the spirit. They are overcome by the elements of circumstance. They are reactors instead of being proactors. They do not know how to control a situation by causing, something, by causing something to allow it to happen rather than they'll, but rather they'll respond to it later. Did you know that there's spirit-filled believers that's, that, it, that we as spirit-filled believers is not to allow our circumstances to control us and to set the tone of our attitude? Amen? Even though we might not be able to change the circumstances altogether, we can change ourselves and we're and, and we can make sure there's a different outcome at the end, no matter what kind of circumstances. It doesn't have to, we don't have to overreact, blow things up, make things up, make them bigger than what they are, and that's what happens to people that are emotional. Isn't it odd somebody will say something negative and before long they're coming to the pastor, everybody's saying, well, who's everybody? All of a sudden, I've had people come to my council before, not my council members, but I've had people come and say, everybody's saying, well, who's everybody? It was just a couple of people. Come on. If I ain't careful, when I hear the word everybody, I'll allow two voices to rule of what kind of decision I'm gonna make. God help us. A person doesn't have to fear, exaggerate, and be controlled by negative thoughts. He has to remember he's an overcomer. You're an overcomer before you ever go into the battle, and God trusts you with the battle. He would never let you go through it. The minute I walk into a battle, I've already been considered as an overcomer. That doesn't mean I'm not gonna learn some things, but I'm already an overcomer before I ever even walk in. Folks, there was a few fights I had at Dexter High School. I didn't know if I was gonna win or not. Hello? Emotional Christians are the ones always looking for the mountaintops, the shouts, the dance, the open display of the spirit. They're looking for the utopias, the spiritual fantasy islands or the fantasy church that's always dripping with favor and there's just all types of glory everywhere and they go where it's hot. If the youth department's hot, that's where they'll land. When it cools off, if the children's church goes up, they'll land over there. They jump to and fro to minute. They never get into ministry and make something hot for themselves. They're always chasing what somebody else has been. Always wanting to get on the shirt tail of somebody. You, 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 you start a ministry and get it hot, you'll have 10 people want to copy it in some fashion, form, or way. They'll come to, hey, I, I feel led to start this. Oh, immaturity. Immaturity. The third Christian is the spirit led Christian. This is why Paul said in Romans 8 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Galatians 5, 16 says, this I see them walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of your flesh. These are the ones led by the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. They're the ones that sanctify themselves on today because tomorrow God's gonna do great and mighty things among them. Come on, somebody. They're spirit-led, spirit-empowered, 
and not out, they're not, they're not being empowered out of their emotions. Instead of emotions overwhelming them, fear, anxiety, sorrow, worry, and anxiety, they put on the new man in Christ Jesus and they take on the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, self-control. I love what 1 John 2, 6 says. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Did you ever notice that Jesus was unpredictable? I didn't say unfaithful. I said unpredictable. He's an unpredictable man. To Mary and Martha, he's four days late. You know, to the disciples, this man don't even care that we perish. Come on, I could go through scenario after scenario after scenario where people made statements that Jesus did not meet their expectations. And a lot of times you look out in this congregation, right now there's all kinds of people and you're saying, Jesus ain't met my expectation. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because you're not God and he's got his timing for all things and when he gets ready to do it, he'll do it his way. Can I have an amen? Is that all right to say that? There were so many that always, always looking for Jesus to where they thought he ought to be. Jesus, though, had a problem. He was spirit-led and not circumstance-led or pressured by men to be at a certain place. You always found Jesus in the most unusual places. You might look for him in the temple. Isn't that where he should be? Well, most of the time he wasn't in the temple. I'm sorry. <laughs> look for him in the temple. Well, he's performing a wedding down at Canaan of Galilee, and he's turning water into wine. Ah, you look for him in the temple, but he might be eating and drinking with publicans and sinners. Woo, that's a bad one. You're looking for him in the temple, but he might be down at Simon's house, who's a leper. Come on now. He might be at the cemetery ministering to someone that the city cast out, rejected, and gave up on, and his name was Legion. He might be on the road to Emmaus ministering to those that just lost their hope. He might be at the tomb raising Lazarus from the dead. He might be on the road to Damascus saying and calling an apostle Paul into the ministry. He might be into the, outside the city gate spitting in the ground, making a clay, sticking in a guy's eyes and telling him to wash him, creating new eyeballs. He might be on the island of Patmos uh, on, in the Lord, on the Lord's day with John, uh, John the Revelator. He may be at the pool of Bethesda healing a man. It might be at midnight, but instead of being around the temple at prayer meeting at midnight, he's down at the jailhouse freeing Paul and Silas. And maybe the fourth watch tonight, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., but he may, you'll find him walking on the water in the middle of a storm, calming the storm for the disciples. It may be noon, and instead of being, him being at lunch, where he's supposed to be with the rest of the guys drinking coffee and having fun, he might be at the city gate of Nain stopping a funeral possession and raising a young man from the dead and giving the boy back to his mama. Come on, I can go on and on and on. I may not know where Jesus is at all the time, but there's one place I know that he's not. The angel said, come and see where the Lord laid. I, I know who you look for and I know who you see. Come and see where he laid. He's not here. He's risen from the dead. He's not dead. He that watches over Israel neither slumbers nor does he sleep. He's got an eye upon his children. He keeps an eye on the sparrow. And if he keeps an eye on the sparrow, how much more are you worth than many sparrows? You say, I don't know where God's at. Well, he knows where you're at. Matter of fact, every time a hair falls out, whoop, boom, there's one. I remember when I first started going through midlife crisis. 
Andrew, Chaz, and Augie, I call her Audrey. I'll give you a penny apiece for every gray hair you pull out of my head. And they'd, boop, boop, and they'd get them up. Finally, they quit. I had to up the game to a nickel apiece. Then 10 cents, but now what would happen if they plucked every gray hair? I'd be bald-headed. And every hair that goes out of my head, the Lord knows the count of them. Jesus is the most unusual places in some of the most unusual times because he was led of the Spirit. Then he said, so was everyone that is led of the Holy Spirit. A few years ago, I was preaching right behind this pulpit. It ain't even been two years. It's been probably a year and a half, something I don't even know, just close to that. During the message, I was just preaching away. And I said, I don't know what it is, but the Lord's been waking me up regularly between 2 and 3 o'clock every single morning. He's been giving me revelation. He's given me, given me more understanding than I've ever had, and I'm just enjoying it. Man, I, when I said that, the Lord pricked me right in the middle of my sermon. I didn't tell nobody. I didn't say that to the congregation, but I went home and I pondered, and the Lord said, that's an indictment to you. I thought, well, what in the world? When I got home and I got to myself, I started praying about it. I looked at it as a positive thing that the Lord's waking me up and speaking to me. I said, I don't understand, Lord. And he said, you're so busy during the day, that's the only time I can get your attention is at 2 or 3 o'clock at night. He said, I want my beloved to have sleep, but I can't give you sleep because that's the only time I can talk to you. He said, your day is planned, programmed, managed to the point. There's no time for me. Oh, I'd get up and have my devotions, but even the devotions, it was me reading the word of God and me having a little prayer and boom, off to work I go. Have a prayer with my wife. And then I come and I, of course, I studied the word of God during the day for a sermon. Sermon study is not the same as having a devotional study with God. I found that out a hard way. He said, you're not spirit-led during the day. Boy, I began to repent, ask God to forgive me. I said, Lord, from this day forward, I'll try to do better at being led of the Holy Spirit during the daytime. Everybody's expecting you to do certain things, leader, be to a certain place, do certain things, hold certain meetings, and I'm doing my best to try to listen to the Lord. Jesus, everything he done, he done by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, driven by the Holy Spirit, powered by the Holy Spirit. He offered himself upon the eternal cross by the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave commandments according to Acts chapter one by the Spirit. Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. Acts 10 and 38 tells us how that God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost. And with power who went around doing good and healing all those oppressed of the devil for what God was with. He preached under the authority of the Spirit. For the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken heart, recovering the sight of the blind, to set up liberty to them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Everything he done, he done by the Holy Spirit. And for Jesus to make his greatest impact, he had to obey the Spirit and sacrifice everything else to the will of the Holy Ghost. I know some of you work at factories and you say, well, we can't just be people that go here and there. No, but even at the factory, you can be spirit-led. You don't always have to sit at the same place for lunch with the same people. At lunch. Listen to the Holy Spirit. God wants us to be spirit-led around here. i tell you how important spirit-led is. And I don't know how to tell it without going into this, but I just want you to understand the urgency. You know how you get caught up in things sometimes. I was coming back from lunch one day from the church 
And I had to use the restroom so bad. And I'm running to the restroom and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he says, he called, he said, call, and he spoke to me one of my friend's name, a minister, a colleague of the ministry, pastor of a church. I said, oh, okay, Lord, I will call him. He said, now. And I knew I couldn't. I got to use the restroom. And I thought, well, I will after. And I started to go into the restroom, and the Lord said, I said, now. I mean, thundered it. And I looked over on my desk, and there was a cell phone, so I grabbed it, and I went to the restroom, and I called him. He answered the phone. I said, hey, Bob, what are you doing? You know what he told me? Well, I'm out here on a mountain in Arizona with a 44 Magnum to my head, and I had prayed, God, if you still love me, if you can redeem me from my mess, and if you can change my life, let someone call within the next 10 seconds. The 10 seconds is almost over. I have already caught the gun and said, the phone ring, and it was you. That's how important it is to be spirit-led. That's how important it is to be led by the Holy Ghost. I could tell you a story after story. My pastor one time went in to see a woman, and he went behind the curtain at the hospital. There was a lady there moaning, and he went up to her, what's your problem? She told him he prayed for her. God healed her, and he started to leave, and the Holy Spirit said, you go tell that woman, whatever she does, do not allow them to operate on her. Brother Watt went back and said, ma'am, this is what the Holy Spirit told me, and he just sat there, and he said, I just felt like something was going to go right. He kept telling her, ma'am, listen to me. When's your children supposed to be here? I'll wait around. No, they're not going to be coming for a long time. He said, you cannot let them operate on you. Do you understand? Yes, 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 I, I feel better. I think I'm healed. He said, then you make sure they clarify that. Get a second opinion, but make sure you don't have surgery. Brother White leaves, the children come in later and they talked her into having the surgery and she died. And then Brother White went to visit her. They wasn't there. And the nurse said, well, the children talked, told them that she needed the surgery, but said, you know, when they got in there, she didn't have what they thought. They couldn't even find anything wrong. Isn't that sad? Being spirit-led. We have to be spirit-led. We have to be urgent about the things of the spirit. He knows more than what we know. And there's one thing I want to say to this congregation. All I can say is embrace yourself and enjoy the ride because your life's fixing to change and God's going to put you some of the most unusual places with the most unusual people for the most unusual purpose. Revival ain't coming in the package that we think it is. It's gonna come when we as a body go out and being spirit-led and God working through us mightily as he did Jesus. Can I have an amen? Get ready because God's gonna turn loose the supernatural acts of God in your life. If you will dare be willing to be led by the spirit. Would you stand with me please?